Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Beast Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and joining me for this podcast, I'm delighted to welcome back Jonathan Hope. Jonathan, how are we? And thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me back, David. Uh, it's been a while, um, but yeah, good to have, uh, good to be back, mate. Thank you for having me. Oh no, pleasure's all mine. It's great to have you on board. Um, what have you been up to? How's things been going? Yeah, just um, full sort of room with uh, work, and you know. Um, glad to have been to the last few Brentford games. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> based on performances, but uh, yeah, um, been been chock a block. So that's uh, that's the best. That's the main thing. Yeah, we're in an international break at the moment. I think it's good to just um, step back and take a breather, and um, yeah, hopefully some of the players can step back and um, recoup their batteries as well. Um, we've got loads to discuss today, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. What I'm going to do to begin with is recap um the period we're going to be looking at and then just going forward um so this is the international podcast um going back to the beginning of october so we've had one win right at the start of october that was a west ham game we were talking about just before we came on air um bit of a 2-1 smash and grab um pick that one out it was whistle wasn't it a really good strike from a set piece that um that gave us the win there and probably masked a few issues that are coming because straight after that we've lost four in a row we lost to Chelsea Leicester Burnley and then the defeat against Norwich right at the start of November taking us up to this international break um yeah we've had close almost bizarre defeats um we've had a technical uh, tactical battering from Burnley um We've given away big counter-attack goals and conceded goals of high quality against Leicester. And we found ourselves 2-0 down at home after yeah half an hour against supposedly the worst team in the league. Um, we're not really the type of people or podcasts to start like shouting and ripping it all up and saying the manager's hopeless, we've got no idea and we've all of a sudden been sound out. But um, th- following this last week, um, Dean Smith and Fark have actually been let go for consistently underachieving. Um maybe standing still, which does lead to a bit of, bit of decline, like steady decline. Lots are asking, have we hit a brick wall tactically, or, or is it just injuries, or is the injuries basically the answer to every question? Um, where, where do you sit at the moment, Jonathan? How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it's such mixed emotions at the moment, because even though it's four defeats, 
I'm looking at the positives from the Chelsea and Leicester game as essentially should have been at least, you know, maybe at least two draws there. Um, so that's that's disappointing. The last two games, yeah, there's no hiding from it. Really, really poor performances. And I think from the tactical point of view, what I, I see is we've almost got square pegs in round holes, if that makes sense. I think we're going for this kind of defensive sort of... Um, sort of alignment of, of you know a 5-3-2 but you know there's players in there that just don't kind of fit the kind of the module if that makes sense um and obviously I'm, I'm specifically talking to you know the likes of you know Jens and kind of, and yeah it's 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 difficult to kind of judge I think injuries have massively killed us you know we haven't got that ball carrying midfielder um our center two center forwards you can't hide away from them they're so isolated at the moment they're kind of having to take on the whole back four or back three by themselves with very little support. We're giving the ball out wide to our wing backs who are, you know, so wide or and again isolated, haven't got much options. So yeah, it's 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 a bit of both, but I think injuries have just massively hindered us. It's hard to put your finger on one thing, isn't it? Like that's what you were doing there. You've just got a list of things that are kind of all coming together. I'm just going to reel off some of the talking points from last month's podcast um, because that was, I think, that's a good point to to show. Maybe some of the things we thought were issues and um, yeah, a bit of foresight as well. We were talking about the structure, this 5-3-2. Is it here to stay? Um, do the positives outweigh the negatives? And is it is it the formation to take us forward? We were looking at the lineup, um, what our best team is. Are there any bench warmers pushing for starts? Um, we raised the point with Felix, actually, that Godos is probably really unlucky not to be playing more in this team, especially with the injuries we've got now. Um, tactical issues, how well we deal with um, breaking down a lower, bro- uh, lower block or... Or where the teams are sitting back and letting us um, come onto them, and then picking us off on the on the counter attack on turnovers, um, like other teams not taking initiative. Basically, um, how do we get upfield? Can we rely on that rare to Tony route of stabilising possession up there, and then just quick direct attacks? Um, we were one of three teams with less than ten shots per game, and we were, we we're saying, is that is that selective, or was it cashing in from high quality chances? And then we just focused on a couple of players who just have to keep playing well for us to be good. And um, Aya and Pinnock were one of those, a couple of those players. Tony, obviously, Henry out wide, Canos. Um, there's been a little bit of a dip on those, and it probably could be just also through just exhaustion and, and coping with this higher level. Um, I guess I'm going to start off with what do you think about open play concerns? Because that's something I'm reading a little bit about, and I'm thinking. Um, what do you think? What do you think of us in possession? Is that because that's where I think we should start from? That's the most important thing. Like how we how we play with the ball. Where are you Where are you at with that? Yeah, I think with the ball, I, there's still elements of our principles from last year or this attacking philosophy of kind of playing out from the bat and trying to play f- through the thirds. And we're almost trying to have them uh, them uh, diamond uh, possession base out wide with your centre half wing back and your centre midfielder, but. The problem is we've kind of been found out a little bit. Sides are going to kind of press up, uh, press us high a little bit. Where you know where we perhaps had Ayer uh, receiving that ball out from the back. We've now perhaps you know Jorgensen perhaps isn't as comfortable with the ball, um, and you know our, we haven't got that midfielder to kind of take that ball, i.e. your Baptiste or Godos to kind of receive it on the half turn and then kind of play forward. It's a little bit too static. It's a little bit too sideways. And then, obviously, once you're not getting success with that, then you can clearly see there's that sort of frustration and there's that where we've kind of had, well, we call it success where it's looked good, but, you know, with the Chelsea, I'm talking about the Chelsea and that sort of bomb bomb that Liverpool with that long ball, direct ball. 
we kind of took that into our game without any sort of game plan. We were just kind of chucking it up top to Tony and kind of asking, what can you do with it? And it, I feel sorry for him in certain elements because he's, you know, he's he's losing, he's he's losing a battle, you know, from the off. Um, so yeah, there's 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 real concern there for me that you know we just we don't look as fluid going forward, playing out from the back and. We're kind of resorting to that direct sort of play. Yeah, I think that's having an impact on our first halves in games as well. Um, Chelsea aside, because I think that was the last time we saw it flow well and us just really bang on the door and come out of a game where we were really gutted not to pick something out of that. I mean, Mendy had a Mendy had a, a great day. But um, yeah, first halves against Burnley, um, that was pretty poor. I think in possession, we didn't look great. We had a bit of the ball there and we could have done a lot more with it. But second, we gave it away. I did that video on Loughton. He was just free on the right. It was just a real tactical mismatch. It was. It looked pretty bad. Norwich as well. Um, I mentioned that uh, on the intro. It's a team that's looking weak in the league. They've they hadn't won. They've not picked up any points. There's been a slight improvement in their own players. Farks got into them and um, tried to turn their season around. Um, but that first half of us against them, the second that ball went out wide and Canos moved forward or tried to play first time forward, it was just a no one. There was no support there. The patterns didn't look good, and as you're saying, injuries have injuries have forced us into playing um, Zanker out there on that right hand side, and he's not the same player as I. Like, there's just they're just very different players, aren't they? Um, and it's it is like you're saying, there's just three static centre backs there now. Don't really want them. Don't want to really want to progress out of their positions because they don't want to leave space in behind. They're scared to. That, that's that's their game, isn't it? You want to stay. You want to keep them in a stable position and and give you some structure. And these first halves just aren't good, and we're. If we're thinking this formation, this three-five-two is supposed to be a defensive structure-first formation, and then you you work what you can going forwards, we're not really getting that stability out of them. But yeah, first halves are just not looking great. So that is probably down to what we're doing in open play, and um, yeah, we definitely need a bit of work on that. Um, that I guess then, are we are we too reliant on set pieces? Is that what sort of team we've come up and tried to be? And if they're not coming off, as we've seen, it's, it's However good your set pieces are, and however many goals you get off them, there's still there's still incident, uh, incidents when the box is packed. You've got to react really quickly. You're going to get the keepers smothering you because they're tight in they're, they're close, um, intense efforts. And you, uh, we've seen with Norgar just hitting. I mean, I don't know how much um, Cruel knew about some of these saves. I mean, he's obviously kept them out. He's made his body big and he's hard to beat because he's a huge player. But you're always going to have that risk of something so tight and a shot so close in that a keeper just smothers you. And um, yeah, it's it's all well and good being very good at set pieces and creating lots and lots of chances from them. Um, And we are good at them. But is there have we basically accepted being not as good in open play because we think we're going to be better and get more out of our set pieces? Well, I think I think you'd have to be naive to think that you are going to be better on the ball than some of these, you know, top top teams. You know, i.e. your Leicester's and your Chelsea. You know, you can't expect to go, you know, up against them. You know, eleven v eleven, uh, just try and pass each other to death. You know, we we have we can't be that naive. So therefore, I think we're at the fact that we've. Um, looked into the set pieces well we always have for for a long time but the fact that we've kind of really targeted that and it's come off really well a lot of the time so far this season I think it's a massive massive credit but it's the games like your your Burnleys and the Norwiches where you know even a couple of seasons ago when I you know I look at you know the the Ben Rama, Watkins, Mbwema that sort of you know that 4-3-3 fluid sort of side they would have part they would have in my opinion like really really would have taken that that 
that that Norwich and that Burnley team, and they would have kind of you know kind of taken it to them if that makes sense. Whereas uh, we haven't got under got that sort of personnel, that sort of attacking fluency um, uh, to kind of go and do that at the moment. Therefore, we're having to kind of adapt our game. Um, it's not, and it's it works two ways because you know there will be times where you know we need to kind of play a certain way. Uh, to kind of get success, and I do believe there will be times uh, where teams will batter us in possession, but I believe we will come out the other side of it and kind of reap the rewards, whether that's a draw or a sneaky win. So yeah, um, it's it's a tough one. It is a real tough one. Um, I just think once we get some injuries back, once we can open up our midfield a little bit and not have three similar midfielders in that position where they all want to have the ball to feet and literally step on your toes to get that ball, I think we will see a little bit more of a difference to our play. I think that's, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look back at these four games, these four losses in a row and just think, is it, what's driving them? I mean, we've been, there's been periods in these games where we have been competitive, but there's been periods in them where we've looked well off it, um, fitness-wise, tactically, um, just the intent of what they're doing. um, And then, pressure on the ball in the right areas um I definitely Burnley was not a good Burnley was not a good half hour I mean that could have I, I think the game in its whole I think they eased off in the second half that that could have been anything at one stage and I'm, I'm glad it stopped at three because if, if it was five in that first half I, I, yeah I don't know how I don't know how Thomas Frank comes out and tries to put a gloss on that I mean his last two press conferences have been a little bit we're starting to see a slight change in um how how they're reflecting and um, reviewing and commenting on matches when compared to what's actually happening because I, I don't think the performances against Burnley or Norwich were good in any way they're not they, they weren't acceptable performances I think there's a real dip there um, I think a player that's played a lot and um, we've seen a lot of and we know him well now he's had a few seasons with Brentford um, it's Matthias Jensen um, there's a piece in the Athletic today, actually, and they must have watched the Salmon Goddess video I did, and um, <laughs> just lifted that completely off because I think they've even called it. Do Brentford need more Salmon Goddess? <laughs> but anyway, um, we won't go into that. But um, Goddess Jensen's almost like a like a guaranteed starter, isn't he? He's he's just one of the first names. He's definitely a favourite. I think he's probably an intelligent player. Listens well in training. Um, he's fit he can get 90 minutes in the tank whether he whether he's whether his output across the 90 minutes is good or worthy of keeping the team is probably what we're going to discuss but um is is he lucky to play as much as he has and is there anything to do with him in these losses and would another player i.e Sam and Godos would he bring more to that midfield just a little bit more variety I mean you said it there we're talking about players that all wanted to feet none of them want to make off the ball movements none of them want to run beyond the forwards or 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 just or just change it up in midfield. Is it all too samey in there? And should we be thinking more about that variety? You know, with Jensen, he's oh, he's he's so frustrating, isn't he? I mean, I the thing is with Jensen, I think for the last few years, you just don't know what sort of player is going to turn up as well. He's so unpredictable. I mean, uh, you should you shouldn't have a. I remember, I think. It's the Swansea game in the playoff second leg a couple of years ago where, for me, it was, honestly, I, I'm not just saying it, I thought it was one of the best Brentford performances I've ever seen. One of the, I mean, there's been a lot, but it was, honestly, one of, it was it, it was close to 10 out of 10 performance. He was so good that day, just showing, like, the, the splitting pass through to Watkins, you know. That's what he has in his locker. But defensively, what we've seen, you know, the tempo... It, the West, you saw the change at the West Ham game for one when he come on defensively. 
in midfield, we were shook. You know, we were being played through too easily. We were losing our men. And, you know, I don't want to put the blame on it. I don't want to start pointing fingers. But, you know, when Bowen scored that goal, Jensen was technically the closest man to him and should have, should have you know, read that game a little bit quicker. And that's sort of what you kind of want from him. Again, you're not reading the game uh, quick enough against Norwich on Saturday. Um, leaving Canos too isolated. Um, and I guess it, it doesn't help that he has that casual sort of approach to it where he's, you know, very um, lackadaisical, if that makes sense. You know, he's very, you know, free-flowing. Um, but again, he, he in this sort of system where, again, where I personally, if I was a coach or just, you know, giving my advice, you know, I'm looking at Burnley and Norwich, I want to take the game to them. Therefore, I want to have that extra attacking midfielder in there, say, alongside Mbwemo and Tony. Tony. And you're playing three defensive midfielders, essentially. For me, Jensen doesn't fit into that because i rather have Norgard and Janel or Onyeka who are going to win the ball back for me and then give it to someone who's going to then create something. Problem is, we were doing that and we're giving it to Jensen, but Jensen is, you know, so far, you know, he's he's in line with them. Therefore, he's hitting these Hollywood balls up to, you know, trying to switch it to Henry or, you know, Canos. And yes, it, it technically, I don't. I think maybe a bar, you know, uh, Godos or De Silva. I think he is technically one of our better uh, players technically because he can find a bar and with set piece and stuff. But he, it's just the game plan isn't there for him because he's the one that is being asked to create these stuff, but then it just doesn't come off because he's hitting it to players that essentially aren't there. So. I feel for him, but at the same time, he isn't what we want at the, at this moment in time. And therefore, I'm asking Thomas Frank if he's in uh, in front of me, where no doubt he knows more than me, he knows more than you. Therefore, he's going to no doubt char me to bits and tell me exactly why he's playing Jensen. But I would be then putting the question as to why we aren't kind of altering our tactical, why are we being a little bit stubborn with the, our stationary three midfielders and why aren't we perhaps going to a, a three... Th- Four three, for example, why aren't we just kind of having that little bit more of an advanced uh, number ten or an advanced number eight? So yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's 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 uh, that's my opinion on it. I, I think you have got to think about midfield blend. That's what I was trying to get across in one of the videos I did. He's he is different to the other two, but is he different enough? And I mean, he's obviously in this team because he they look at him and think of him as talented on the ball, a genius with the ball, can can hit it on a sixpence from anywhere and can find people in the box and get it into the box. Um, the more, I think when you start watching Brentford again and again and then you're watching players and then you can see like actions on Weisgaard and you can just watch stuff in a row, you sort of see it in a different way. Some of these balls Jensen's playing, there's, Norgard can play these balls and so can Yanel. We're being honest about it. They're pinging the ball into the box and hitting that back post, or getting to the the edge of the box and playing it in there. We we don't need him to do that. There's if that if that's what he's in the team for, we can get that from other we can get that from other players. If he's in the team because he's an, an amazing presser off the ball, then so be it. But I don't think he is. That's not showing up in any of the numbers either. Um, yeah, and what what do we want from that? So if we've got Yanelt and Norgard in the team, and we know they've got enough ability on the ball to hit these balls and play these balls and, and get the play forward. Um, what do we want from that third midfielder? And we we probably do want the qualities of um, Baptiste, 
just drop a shoulder and get past the player, just get us up the pitch, just basically creating transitional moments when a team's not ready. Josh De Silva, obviously he's injured, I'm just saying some of his qualities as well, why he makes that blend good. Onyeka can go past people like they're not there or receive the ball on the half turn quickly, wants it in space and can make that burst and run, just changing the game up a little bit. So, so I, I don't know if he's in the team because he is by default like they look at him as the most creative player but it's just what what is he doing to create like creates is quite a, a subjective word creativity doesn't just necessarily mean getting it into the box when you've got it on the edge of the box it, it could mean just stepping or backing up 10 yards and uh, just getting in between two center backs and letting tony or, or another player receive it a bit deeper and playing a one-two with them and then moving on again or it can it can manifest itself in a number of different ways so yeah i'm, I'm not basically what i'm getting at is i don't think he's doing enough in attacking wise to be put into this team week in week out basically I think there should be more scrutiny over his performances and his um, his play and it's not just this automatic yeah right he can last the 90 minutes um, he can play because as a, as I think a few people are getting onto now I think there's a little bit more variety in Godos's movement which could complement the other two DMs Norgard and Yanel behind him and probably would benefit the front two as well if we're going to persevere with this shape but yeah, we don't want this to turn into the Jensen bashing show. I think he gets enough of that. <laughs> Which we're always trying to be objective, I think. Um, and yeah, I think it leads on nicely. I think another one, one of the points that keep coming up now is three five two the right shape going forward because it's no longer keeping us compact and um, tight and on top in games. Um, every game we've played now, just the last few, just off the top of the head, it seems to, it's being ripped up, isn't it? We're, we're ripping it up and we're saying. We can't persevere with this because we're already 2-0 down. We've got to change this. Um, and it was culminated in Goud going up front against Norwich as an auxiliary forward. That's where we're at now. Um, what, what do you think? Is 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 three five two basically how we should keep going? Well, um, just from my own personal opinion, due to the injuries that did occur, I mean, I'm from the start of the season, I must confess, but therefore I went very, very quiet due to our run of form. Therefore, I, my opinion was very much in the background. But I was always more of a 3-4-3 three, three sort of, um, but just purely because it gives you more flexibility to go defensively and offensively. Um, for me, uh, the last few weeks, especially like going into the, the Le- uh, not well, not so much the Leicester game, but the, um, the Burnley and Norwich game, it would have been the perfect opportunity, surely, to then have gone three four three with the injuries. Just Tony, Tony is so comfortable coming deep. Anyway, he prefers keep Mbwemo high, let him op- occupy uh, the, the two centre halves, let Tony kind of drift into that that sort of ten position in, in between the lines, and I'd have Godos as well as that number ten um, in between the lines, kind of had that link up play, and then you've got your two stationary midfielders in. Well, uh, yeah, Onyeka and Norgard at Burnley, and then obviously Janel and um, Norgard uh, on Saturday. So for me, I, I would have liked to have seen that just because then it gives you the variety. Because straight away, if you are under the cost, you've uh, then you can easily slip into a five-four-one easily, easy as that. Or if you're then attacking, you you can literally then advance into that. F- uh, you know, you're almost playing like a four-two-four. Have I said that right? Or three-two-five? Maybe a three-two-five. Yeah, you, you, yeah, three-two-five. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But obviously, we just the the fact that we've looked too static. Hence, I don't understand why we haven't been a little bit more flexible up the higher of the pitch so far. 
Yeah, we have been static, haven't we? And we've changed when, basically, when these games are dead. We're two down, three down. That's when we sort of see changes. And it's probably coming a bit too late. Um, we've all, yeah, if you think for as long as we can remember, we've pretty much been a 4 3 3 team, haven't we? We had a little bit of a flirting with a 3 4 3, then back to 4 3 3. And then um, we, we were grinding to a halt with 4 3 3 in that championship season. And then they switched it up to a 3 5 2 which we probably should have developed ages ago, but it came out. Fosu was the one, wasn't he? He was the one behind the two forwards, lots of lateral movement, like picking up the ball, offering himself left, right, pretty much what we're trying to think about, how, how Godos could influence this team. But Fosu did it. Um, he's not in the fold at the moment at all, just not in for good intention. Um, 3-5-2, I think... If we think about all the teams that have played it over the years, and it, it kind of what as a formation, I think it has a bit of a life cycle. I don't, I don't think it's something you can play for ages and ages unless you've got world class wing backs, unless you've got forwards that are proper top quality. The teams that play it still, and have played it for a long time, are like the elite, elite teams. Um, it's problems. We we know the problems you get with it. I think you can. It's quite static. There's not many rotations. Your wing backs, your wide, they, they perform out wide, don't they? Your two forwards generally are strikers because you're trying to get two strikers on the pitch. You're trying to get three centre backs on the pitch as well. So you generally you're not having a player of Ayers quality at right centre back. You're having a player that's a bit more static. Um, your midfielders, as we're talking about, can get a bit stodgy because they're three similar midfielders. If you don't get that blend right, so you're not really getting many rotations, movements, obviously. It just can become easy to defend against on the ball. And then as you're trying to create and overcreate on the ball, you just find yourself out of position and you get things like Norman just dropping a shoulder, running past three players and then putting one into the bottom corner. It feels like it needs a bit of a reset and I'm wondering if it has come to the end of its life cycle. I don't think we'll see it gone anytime soon because I think the coaches and the other guys are a bit more stubborn and they've come into the season believing that this is the best way on evidence of previous seasons, on teams that come up. Um, they sit like this, you sit deep, you, you soak up pressure, you take you take good shots and hopefully enough of them come off for you, you're good from set pieces. 4-3-3 um, three, three opens up the game and I think that's season two, season three when you start getting good enough to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change. But I, d I don't think what what I think we should be at now is, as you said, against Norwich, should we have come out in a four three three because the three five two wasn't working against them, and I don't think it was going to work. And I think as we were chatting before on air, we it didn't feel like that was the right shape to come up against this team simply because again, good fullbacks for them, good in possession. Um, we're not we're not stabilising possession out wide. Brandon Williams is a good fullback. Um, Max Aaron's is another quality fullback. I don't think they were tested too much. Um, only in the second half when that ball got pumped behind Aaron's that Tony Tony started winning balls and, and, and helping us there. It it just wasn't it wasn't great and I think a few of us saw it coming. Um Yeah, let's say try not to try not to bash it too much. Um I think let's look at it more objectively. Like is it Basically, are we, are we getting the best out of Tony in that formation? That's another way to put this, isn't it? Like, he's the he's supposed to be our centre forward. Should we be keeping him in a three-five-two? The, the the problem is, Dave. What I'm looking back at is the tail end of the four-three-three in the championship last year. I remember we were talking last year where <laughs> it was not bashing, but it was like Mbwemo was going through his worst spell oh, in a God, in a. Yeah. And because he was so isolated out wide, and when you're coming up against good defensive sides, solid defensive sides, he was just getting so isolated on that right-hand side. Uh, and with Tony, Tony isn't an Ollie Watkins or a Morpai of what we had him previously. Tony is more of a target man who um, 
more like a, a Harry Kane, for example, where he likes to come deep, receive the ball, whereas Watkins would go and pressure so high. Morpai would press you high and he would keep them centre-halves really, really occupied. Whereas Tony likes to drift in and centre-half will just go touch tight with him and that's fine. And you're you're almost like playing with 10 men and Tony's a goal poacher. You know, Tony needs a ball in the six-yard box or, you know, uh, in the the penalty box, for example. So the fact that we... uh, My issue is, as well, if you... Our recruitment has been solely based on the current... Um, formation that we are playing at the moment and it's either a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 because if you were to go uh, if Frank was to turn around to us and go right we're playing a 4-3-3 I go right it's it would be if they're all fit it'd be Mbwemo and Wissa they'd play at wide I'm, I'm guessing or Canos but Wissa is injured and if I'm being honest has Mbwemo got the quality out wide from what I trust and from what we've saw I'm Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm not overly reliant on that. And that's just pers- that's from my personal opinion. Therefore, hence why I feel more comfortable, If um, just from what I've seen, I feel more comfortable with the wing-backs, but I feel we just need that number 10s in there to then kind of support the, the centre-forward. Uh, I feel like if we were to kind of be control possession the way we like it, we like to play out from the back, we like to play through the thirds, and then we're playing the ball out wide then to our wingers. What they're doing is the other team will simply just go and double up on our wingers and therefore we're just having to recycle the ball when we're going out of play out, play out again. And the lack of maybe in this division, certainly in the Premier League, where you're probably more vulnerable to mistakes of if you overplay, you will get picked off. And then so therefore I ask you the question is what happens if you're there being harried, you're going to go long, the ball is going to go up to Ivan Tony in an isolated as a number nine 
And essentially what you would need is someone to kind of recycle off that. And if you've got two wingers, you're not really going to get any any ball. So therefore, you either play with a 4-2-3-1, but you lose a, a, a midfielder um, to try and win that ball. But are you, if, if you're playing with the way we play, that 10 is probably going to get sucked back into midfield. So that that is my only counter argument against a four three three, yeah. So that that yeah, I, 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 which I think is a, a valid point. But I couldn't agree more with you in the sense that I like to think there is a long term plan that fingers crossed, touch wood, we survive and we slowly start to get better. You will see the quality and recruitment go up, and therefore we will see them wingers who are match-changing wingers, if anything, who can go and take the game to themselves and create stuff. I just don't think we have that at the moment. What you've said and what we're probably talking ourselves around to is um, this 3-5-2 has been developed to hide the weaknesses of our players. And this also is basically what we've been recruiting towards, hasn't it? This is, I think you start off with a plan getting into the Premier League. You're thinking, how? what's the most likelihood of us staying up? It isn't opening up the game and playing 4-3-3 with... Okay, wingers, you want to do that at a later stage, don't you? Um, there's other things we could do, I think. Um, another one of them, I think the 3-4-3 gives us those two wide forwards. Um, it might get a little bit of support to Tony. Um, it puts a lot more pressure, again, on the centre midfielders. But then, could we see Norgard dropping back into the back line? I know we we're talking about sort of the nuances of it now and then building up in a three versus building up in, from a back four and like the asymmetry of it... Maybe we won't go into too much of that now, but I know we're short on midfielders at the moment. Could you, but could you see Norgard dropping into the back line then allowing us to get Yanelt and a goddess into the team or Yanelt and Jensen and then two wide forwards when Wissett does come back? Can you see a little shift there? For me, that should have definitely occurred on Saturday when uh, Jorgensen went off. My only problem is, is because when Norgard went into our back five or back three last year, the quality of centre-forward isn't what it is of a Premier League centre-forward, but also we had a lot more of the ball. Therefore, we were he was asked mostly to bring the ball out, um, had a lot more time on the ball. So therefore, um, I would... The problem is as well with Norgard, he's so good at breaking up the play in midfield. He's almost, in my opinion, he's almost irreplaceable in that midfield. So, therefore, you have to ask the question is whether he would go into, if you were to bring him into the back three, does he go on the in the middle where Pontus is or does he go on the right-hand side um, of that back three? Um, I, for me, I'm not sure. The, the other argument I wanted to bring to the table is what uh, for those that went to Forest Green Rovers on that, what I really liked was when Vitaly Yanel actually went into that back three onto the left-hand side. We, um, and it completely opened up that game. Um, we looked more fluid. Um, not only did you have a left-sided sense, uh, playing uh, a left-sided player playing at left centre-half, what we would do with Pinnock, but he was a lot, He was a midfielder playing at, as a centre. So he was driving in. He was, uh, when he got the ball, Forrest Green just dropped. You know, that's, that's and it was kind of driving, driving us f- from there. So that that's an, another argument I'd kind of put towards. Maybe you know, maybe Yanout could go left side of centre half with perhaps Pinnock into the centre uh, centre back berth with possibly Jansen on the right hand side for why I is out. Um, I don't particularly feel too confident with or comfortable with um, Jansen on the right hand side of the centre. I mean, if that was so strange. I don't understand why Good just didn't go there, especially when he played on the right hand side of the back three for Northampton. 
um, where he literally excelled, um, and so that was really strange for me. But but that's another that's another topic. So I would I would yeah going back to Yan out or Norgard, um, I I I'd throw Yan out into the um, the equation as well because just because I think Norgard at the moment is irreplaceable in midfield. Yeah, it's an interesting angle actually. I had probably been somewhere tucked in the back of my mind, but I'm, I think my natural answer is always Norgard first, but. You're probably onto something, actually, which is quite interesting. I think also with Norgard, if we're being totally honest, there's been a little bit of a dip in these last couple of games in his in his performance. I think off the ball, especially. Um, I'm thinking back to Chris Wood walking past him like um, he wasn't there on the edge of that Burnley box, on the edge of the box against Burnley. Um, a little bit shorter, like a little bit off it in terms of the tackle. I mean, there's still been some good ball winners. Let's not deny that, but just a kind of little dip from the level he's that he's hit over the last few years and that probably is the consistent level we're playing at now um, we, our players have been asked to perform almost faultless otherwise you're conceding goals aren't you like it's, that's what we're talking about now I think, I think at the end of the day as well I think Brentford's motto no matter what game they're going into is if we don't lose the game that's probably a success and that doesn't matter who we're playing, playing against because every game if you're picking up a point you know it's massive because at the end of the day, no matter survival is is basically the key. So therefore, we when we're going into games with a you know a three centre halves and a, and a midfield three, it shouldn't really surprise us. Because even if we are playing a Norwich or a Burnley, you know they'd be happy to get a point out of them games because it just keeps us ticking along, ticking along. And if we can keep picking up them odd three three points here and there, it should keep us up. But it's obviously now getting reflected more. I mean, you talking about it or you know, people highlighting why we're not changing. It's because we're losing games and we're losing games badly. But um, I'm pretty sure that if we had come out a point against, you know, Burnley and Norwich playing uh, exactly the way we did, we probably wouldn't be highlighting it as more because at the end of the day, points is what matters at the end of the day. Um, And that's what's going to keep us in this division. Um, So, yeah, um, it's, it's almost kind of are you brave enough to go and change it that's probably are you willing to kind of gamble it is almost are you going to gamble to go and change things are you willing to kind of put things on the line to kind of make a change and that's inevitably what you know are are we going to see it I'm not sure at the risk of being too doom and gloom I think there are some positives to take um just a couple that come into my mind I think for long periods I think against Leicester for instance like we we looked good against them I mean there were some positive elements to that game uh, tactically I think how we how we pre- prevented them from playing out we kept um, uh, we kept the forwards quiet for long periods um, I think it took a quality effort from Tielemans to take them into the lead and then um, uh, obviously the, the, the collapse of that counter-attack goal was pretty bad but there were long parts of that game where we looked like we'd really studied them and thought about where players should be positioned, stopping them playing. And um, yeah, they're, they're obviously got some really quick, good players and they got out. But there were positives to be drawn, weren't there? The, the first half was, I thought, really, 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 really good. You know, we pressed really, really high. Soy Nucci on the left side of centre half. I, I baffle Wally, Wally keep persisting with him there. Like, he looks so uncomfortable, bless him. Um, and every time, like, we were literally like, preyed on him when he got the ball we were winning the ball high um, and we were playing really good football again um, what we miss is David Raya because a lot of the times he was getting a ball in the counter in the transition almost when the when they're pressing high he was finding passes into midfield a lot of, I remember quite a few times he was finding the pass uh, where Vardy felt like he had a chance he was pressing him but Raya was kind of finding not just that centre half but he was finding Onyeka on the half turn 
and that kind of give give us the momentum to kind of press uh, play play forward. We played really really well in that first half. I mean that that Tillemans goal is just like you know what can you do? It's almost like we, we were we were honestly we were really really good in that first half. We should have been two or two or three now up by that time, and he's just hit one like. It's almost like what? What more can you do? And then it's almost like right, we're chasing a game. We're kind of going back to that again, that Chelsea mentality of kind of throwing the ball into the box, do what we can. We're playing with a high line. We get the goal um, through Jorgensen, but it was then a case of we failed to kind of change our mindsets to go. Hang on, it's now an even kill. We need to kind of go back to. Uh, not so gung ho, if that makes sense, and that's where we got caught out. I mean, we were just we were too high, made a mistake. They they oh, well, I can't remember it now. Well, it's almost like they got a bit lucky, almost. But I think our defensive line was a bit all over the place, and they just walked essentially walked it in. So that's the, that's frustrating, you know, because you need to kind of not be naive that you can't just go and attack, attack, attack. You know, especially at one one, we should have kind of. Been a little bit more reserved, but there you go. Yeah, trying to keep it more positive as well. Um, but something else is just nagging at me. I think we probably need to address him a little bit. It's Marcus Force. Um, I, th- I think it's good that he's getting minutes and he's he's being allowed on the pitch and he's contributing in that respect. I mean, he's a young player; he's going to develop. But what have you what have you made of his um, his cameos? And is there enough out of him? The thing is, we've seen with Marcus Force. I mean, he literally plays in like every Carabao Cup game. He just scores a hat four goals. <laughs> Um, so you can see there's like a really really good player there, but um, what you what you would kind of define Marcus Force is like an out and out centre forward. He's a poacher. He wants the ball played in front of him for him to run onto, and nine times out of ten, if he's in front one on one with a goalkeeper, he's probably going to score. But the problem is in our style of play with more um, with Mbwemo and Tony, you've got two players there that are quite intricate and they want to kind of link up. And with Mbwemo, he kind of, kind of, he can kind of do both. He can, kind of, he can go in behind. With Force, he's kind of looked, he's kind of struggled to have that link-up play, um, and he kind of wants to stay away from the play. He wants to kind of stay on the last man's shoulder, which is, which will be fine in some games. You know, where perhaps we're on the transition, and you know that will be really, really handy. But. There are still elements to his overall game that still needs to be an improvement. Yeah, there's always winners and losers in playing styles, isn't there? And I think Force is <laughs> Force is one of the losers in what we've decided to do here because Tony's always going to be on the pitch, isn't he? You'd be a fool to take Tony off because of what he's got physically um, if he does get a shot in front of goal and how much he can just hold the ball up, basically, and bring others into play. Um Force wants to play as probably that lone forward with someone creating behind him, playing him in, and he's just not going to get that unless we find another way to shift this shape around. So he's definitely probably one of the losers in this shape. I don't think he looks good in a pair with Tony. Um, it's not. It's not good enough. There's not enough quality on the ball for those two to play together. Um, so he, he is probably a bit of a loser in this shape. Um, I guess we're just going to have to keep enjoying him as long as we're in this Carabao Cup, and uh, hopefully he can just get a bit more form and, and they can work with him and get him to develop into this shape, but I don't see it coming anytime soon. And um, this leads into a good question, actually. Dieter on, from the patrons asked, uh, Hi guys, which signing should Brentford make in the upcoming transfer window? Um, he's also asked, your player of the season so far, and should Frank stick to his 3-5-2? We've kind of chatted a lot about the 3-5-2. Um, instead of like which signings, because it's just, there's so Brentford could sign anyone from anywhere at any stage, but I think it's probably better to think of it as which position do you think we should really focus on in this upcoming transfer window? What would you What would you say? It depends on injuries. Again, I'm still very much in the category. I think we still need a right 
right back slash right wing back. Um, I think uh, I think we need another centre half, just purely on the basis that I think the likelihood of without trying to create. Uh, rumours or speculation the likelihood of Pontus probably leaving at the end of the season is probably likely therefore I think maybe you know getting a not a young, maybe a younger centre half like in his early 20s you know I hate to say it because I don't like to talk about them locked down the road but a, a Rob Dickey sort of style of uh, player you know he's, he's he's flying for them isn't he um, he's um, that sort of mould can we like attract that sort of player come in January Probably not, but uh, that's sort of similar mould. Midfield, uh, I mean, you've got technically on paper you've got so many midfielders that just so they're just yeah, injured yeah. at the moment. <laughs> uh, and the, this is the problem, like uh, people saying, "Oh, we need to get to January to make signings." But I mean, if you believe, you know, the rumours, a lot of the players could be back by then. I mean. I don't know. I, I, they're quite quiet on injuries, but will De Silva? You know, I mean, maybe March. It's down to the club because you know they're very. Um, you know, they take calculations. Is it worth them going and spend a player for you know twelve million pound or whatever? I don't know, but for a player to then come back in two or three months after that, and this player perhaps not being as good as what we got, so that's what they have to take into to consideration. Um, Again, uh, we talk about forwards as well. Uh, I mean, you've got Wissa coming back as well. Do they need another forward? Either I'm a player that I've I've always quite liked um, is Jonas Wind, Copenhagen. I really like watching him. I mean, there was I think there was a rumor about him. Uh, I think quite late on, I he's got a good a good future. Casper uh, Dolberg is he a bit above us probably at this stage? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few there's a few names. Brennan Johnson is he's an, I think he's been spoken about as well. So yeah, I I think we're right again. Maybe do we do we do the do the, the hierarchy believe in Godos? Do they think he's good enough, or do they think they need to get another te- another another number ten in? Um, I don't know. Possibly, um, or do they stick with what they got? It's it's so difficult. Yeah, it's it's hard to second guess what they're going to do, and I think it's because so many different parts lead on to that decision, don't they? Like if if we know if if we were told actually Justice Silver isn't coming back for three months, four months, five months, then you probably think actually we might need to plug that in because that's more serious than we ever thought. Uh, if if Baptiste breaks down after two games back and he's out for another few months. That's your eight midfielders sort of dropping down to six, and then we're nursing your knelt back, and we the others are going to pick up injuries. You're probably looking at that central midfield area and thinking, okay, um, yeah, we, we we're a bit light there. Uh, we we don't know how these guys are going to face. Um, we don't know how they're going to cope around December when we've got quite a few games, and then moving into the new year. So, just saying, the one player I would like, even though he's on loan at somewhere else, um, but it's been done in the past. I don't know, but. Um, Ethan Laird plays for Swansea, um, right wing back. He would fit our style at the moment so so well. Um, on loan from Manchester United, he's a, he, I watched Swansea quite a fair bit. He essentially plays as a right centre forward, uh, right right inside forward. He's he he's ledge, but he's also good defensively. And I don't know if there would be a thing of like, could he cut his loan there? and come to us but he's a player that I really really like and uh, I would if he was signed for us then that would be a really really good 
good addition. Yeah, there's just so many that I think would be great to come in, but they also need they need guarantee. Yeah, they need guarantees on their position on why they're coming up to us in January. I mean, are we are we going to change the shape to accommodate the player coming in? How do they fit into the shape? It, we're not going to attract a left back or a wide forward if we're not even playing four three three, for instance, because that's the, that's the sort of conversations that are happening. If you're trying to convince someone to play, you've got to show that the team is ready for you to come and play. Um, and I don't know if we can do that genuinely. Um, so yeah, Dita, I hope that's answered your question or made it even more confusing. What? Um, <laughs> who is your player of the season so far at Brentford, Jonathan? Mine probably has to be Rico Henry. I think he's a solid eight, seven out, seven out, seven out of ten, eight out of ten each week. I think he steps his game up a little bit um, to that next level. Of uh, the fact that he scored as well on Saturday, kind of just showed that he's uh, given uh, adding a few more goals. So yeah, I, I think it has to be Rico Henry. Bar the last two games as well, Norgard, I think he's he's been so good. And before. <laughs> The Leicester game, Raya as well. I mean, Raya was essentially we were. It was eleven v ten. You know, when we had the ball with Raya, it was we were playing eleven v ten. Um, and it's honestly the uh, we haven't gone into him much, but that is a massive, massive loss. And I maybe I was I had a couple of pints and I was perhaps over the top, but I went to my Liverpool mate and I went, look, when you lost Van Dijk uh, at Liverpool, I I feel this is as equivalent to us. Because it is just a massive, massive blow. Because we can't replicate uh, playing out from the back like like what we did with him. So, so it's a massive shame. Yeah, pints or no pints, I think you um, you're bang on there. <laughs> Ray, it was, it's yeah, it's a huge, huge loss for this team, isn't it? I think just the way the the defenders can shape up in front of him playing out, how accurate he is on the ball, like that sweeping up. Fernandez is, um, I think, whatever he thought he's done in his career taking him up to this moment he hasn't really seen anything yet has he this is just a complete different kettle of fish and let's just hope he's a quick learner <laughs> yeah yeah I think he needed yeah, I don't know, don't know how much that would have done I think he needs a bit more than that but yeah it was a tough introduction and he's not it's not going to get any easier well we, I don't know, we hope it does but yeah he just needs to learn quickly doesn't he and just develop um, get better on the ball command his box yeah, just all the things that Rea's just had years and years of living and working in this country. Um, let's not forget Rea dropped down to the lower leagues, and he's he's had a proper he's had a proper grounding to get to where he is. It hasn't just happened overnight because he's been great in the continent. It's it's been that he's ruthlessly been tested in this league. Uh, yeah, so that's a big loss. Yes, yeah, huge, huge. Um, okay, another thing that's another thing that's um, as we're sort of rounding up a little bit now. Something else. Just trying to have a little look on FB Ref for some interesting stuff in the old stats, sweet bees, Premier League honey. Um, Brentford's average shot distance is the lowest in the Premier League. Um, Man City, we're even ahead of Man City if we think about how they walk the ball in and only shoot from good ranges. Like, is I think a lot of our shots are coming from second phase set piece balls um, worked into the box. We're, we're not shooting from distance, and I think that's something that players like Baptiste. De Silva just might give us a little bit more variety on the edge of the box. Um, I said uh, Jensen's not shooting from anywhere out. We're not really getting that from the other players. Just a little bit of variety on the edge of the box might help us out. But do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it's it's just typically us, isn't it? Like you, you model all the shots in the game. You think where most goals are scored from. You develop a team that only shoots from sort of close in. But what if you're not working the ball close in enough? Um, like what... 
it's that's the thing, isn't it? You're relying on a style that do, that um, needs you to basically get close to the goal, and we're we're kind of struggling stabilising up the pitch. What? How do you feel about that? I believe we were talking about this prior to the West Ham game. I think um, mm. some. I think uh, Felix wasn't it? Yeah, I think we brought it up. The fact that yeah, we just we just don't shoot from distance. Um, yeah, I, I have no real answer to that. I think the fact that again, just going to come back to the style of play, the the personnel in midfield. They're too deep. They're not joining in with the, the centre forwards, and therefore they aren't really um, having a pop. If that if that makes sense, I I think our target is basically. I think I said this previously. It, our objective is to get the ball as close to the goal as possible, and therefore you have a better chance to score. I think that is just generally what it is, because um, when you notice Janel or Norgard getting the ball on the edge of the box, nine times out of ten it's going wide to Henry or and Canos. To therefore put the ball in, and then we're kind of relying on our physicality or you know our smart movement and stuff like that to try and work out a chance. So yeah, that that it's it's clearly a more of a, um, a worked out thing because um, I, I look at Yanel. Yanel's certainly got it in his locker to have a, have a pop from distance. I think it's perhaps kind of weighing the pros and cons up. How many attacks are we actually going to get per game? Is every attack literally is crucial to us? Um, and therefore we have to take our chance and when we do get it and therefore is it a little bit like when we do get that chance are we going to waste that chance on having a shot from 25 yards out if that goes on brilliant clap our hands we go back to the centre circle and we go hallelujah unbelievable but if that goes sailing into row Z then we're a bit like well that was probably our only chance of the of the half for example you know that's that's how it could end up like some games um, so therefore statistically I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just looking at it and going look we need to get the ball high and wide get as many players into the box or three or four what we do um, and we try and work it from there and that's just I think that is kind of proving what we're doing at the moment again going back to the silver that's what you are missing you are missing someone that is going to get it out of his left foot um, and just have a pop from 25 uh, from 20 yards or outside the box because yeah he's got that in his locker and uh, we really really missed that yeah yeah we do I think um, he's going to be we just if he comes back and he's half the player that we've seen in the championship um, he could be divisive he could sorry decisive for us and um, just getting on top of him in a couple of these games even when we might not deserve to or or just bringing us back in and just putting us ahead again because that's how, that's how we started I think it took us until the sixth game we, we weren't behind in a single match I think and not including that like last minute goal against uh, Brighton we um, we scored first in all these games um, or there was no goals and I think we, we kind of just the, the flow of the games went really well for us I think now we're seeing it not quite go all to plan and we need we just need a little bit of that chaotic magic like someone from the edge of the box who can do something special and I think that's what we're missing a little bit from our team it's all very functional instead of um, just that little bit of high class quality not not just not not just that I think with the silver he's all round game is just so good just purely because of his uh, physicality and stance he has the confidence to kind of receive the ball off the goalkeeper or the two centre arse deep he'll have someone up up him like up right man marking right tight but because of his physicality uh, and his ball control and you know his quality he was able to kind of sucker that player in and then release that ball you know whether it goes wide or back and he's 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 beaten he's, he was able to beat the opposition's press really really easily and therefore not only that he was able to pick the ball up from deep and drive with it. We don't really have that at the moment. And when he he could go from a 
a really uh, casual stroll to then a full pelt, like real hard on sprint, where, you know, he, he just had it all. You know, he has that all-round quality. And I just, I'm praying, praying that he can kind of uh, recoup some of that magic once he comes back. So lots of recouping over the international break. I think some have gone away, some have come back. Um, some are going to be playing a, I think, behind closed doors game for the ones that aren't away on international duty. It's just a great time for us to dust ourselves down, get, catch our breath and hopefully go into the next couple of games in November. The, the Newcastle and Everton matches full of life and um, recharged and maybe even a new plan. I mean, Howe's in at Newcastle, isn't he? He's going to be looking to... I mean, he'll love the fact that he's got Brentford as his first game. That'll be brilliant for him. Um, uh, so we've got to make a mark there and um, we'll be against against the odds and everyone will be watching that one. Maybe that's good for us as well. Who knows? And then we move on to Everton. Um, so yeah, tricky end to the month. Um, it could... It could go either way. It'd be good to chat to Felix again, actually, before Everton and get a bit of a bit of a recap on them and how they're doing. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I'm going to sort of close up there. Thanks so much for joining me, Jonathan. Oh, cheers, mate. Nice one. Yeah, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Jonathan, remind us where we can find you online. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. So Hopi95. Uh, yeah, just if you want to just a general chat or anything like that feel free to to pop us a message yeah good stuff good stuff yeah thanks for coming on um lastly yeah like the podcast um review the podcast i think wherever you get your podcasts um check out all the other stuff on beast tactical there's videos there's um there's substack articles um and yeah there's also loads of ways to support um content creators and bits like that um beast tactical have a patreon page and a ko-fi page and you can make sure that what they do continues um thanks again for joining us it's been great chatting to jonathan and we will catch you again next time see ya sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 